Hello and welcome to Common Air, an exhibition companion for Het is off to stain and spray in Silence is a Commons at Costco Art Institute, aired on Stranded FM. The day is October 31st, 2019, and it's 2 o'clock, or 2.03. We're broadcasting live from Strand FM in Utrecht. The sun is shining, and the air is a crisp 10 degrees. I first like, would like to start with a very big happy birthday to Rob Rutenberg, the one uh, who has created the lovely little sounds used in our show. I'm wishing you a very, very amazing birthday for me and all of Costco. Today is also Halloween, so happy Halloween, everyone. Um, this one could be a little bit of a spooky episode since we are ultimately addressing the climate crisis. Um, so my name is Stacy Boucher, and I'm a curator at Costco Art Institute working for the Commons and your host for the next hour. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to our third and final episode of season two of Common Air. In the first two episodes, we focused on Costco's autumn exhibition, exhibition program, featuring four solo presentations by artists Bobby Badalov, Ansuya Blom, Ama Josephine Budge, and Mide Lee. The first episode shares a detailed visual description tour of the exhibition and a chat with Max Casey of the Strand FM community about various things like communication and misunderstandings and silence. And the second episode included lovely little interviews with each of the four artists, plus a conversation with Irene, Irene Cassadini, another bright and beautiful mind from the community of Stranded FM, in which we spoke about speaking and having a voice and the empowerment of that. So you can visit mixcloud.com forward slash Stranded FM and click on their playlist to find Common Air by Costco Art Institute and listen back to these as well as the first season. As always, write to me at stacy at costco.art, that's Stacy with an I, if you'd like the show notes. So today's episode takes a different track, as this is usually a companion to, to the exhibition at Costco, and instead it's a very special feature on Costco's second annual assembly, Our House is on Fire. So I'm going to take you through the two days of the assembly, to share some of what happened. And we have the immense pleasure of having Ying Kui on the show with us in the studio, Strand FM, um, who is one of the members of the steering committee for the assembly, to learn a little bit more about the process of drafting a climate justice code and the process of editing it with um, more people. So we'll also chat with the amazing Luke Colin from Strand FM about ecology and music the assembly, about the exhibition, so we have a lot in store, and let's get into it.
All right. Luke just told me that I should uh, fade with a, an, an emotional touch, which is uh, really hard to do if you don't know how to use all this amazing equipment. Um, so that's Burning Down the House by Talking Heads, 1983, um, where the lyrics say, hold tight, wait till the party's over. Hold tight, we're in for nasty weather. There has got to be a way. Burning down the house. Here's your ticket, pack your bag. Time for jumping overboard. The transportation is here. Close enough, but not too far. Maybe you know where you are. Fighting fire with fire. There's actually many songs out there with the title, Our House is on Fire, like by Sia, Natalie Merchant, ACDC, <laughs> and many, many more. But this track is inspired by the graphic insert that's in the assembly booklet made by Costco's house designer, David Benowith, uh, which features a circular label of the Talking Heads track, adding a musical layer to the polyphonic voices of the assembly. First things first, what in the world is the Costco assembly? This is the occasion where commenting practice can take place, where we stretch the bounds of the institution, collective decision-making over a common goal and the co-management and care of the resources we have at hand. And who's at the assembly? Well, artists, art workers from art institutions and organizations, activists, students and school, people from cultural institutions and the like. Uh, the goal of Costco's second annual assembly was to edit a climate justice code for artists and art institutions. Initially drafted by an editorial committee comprised of Joram Krehelveld of Platform Beka, and I'm very sorry if I, I don't pronounce everyone's name correctly, but also Thomas de Hoon and Taru Etola of Commons Network, Teresa Borasino and Harriet Bergman of Fossil Free Culture and L. Saluk Balamir of Code Red, Code Ruth, and artist Clementine Edwards, along with the steering committee, which includes artist Annette Krauss, anthropologist and activist who I mentioned earlier, Ying Kui, who's with us today, and from the Costco Art Institute team, Bina Choi, Yolande van der Heide, and Rosa Pardenkoper, who are also, um, this group is responsible for last year's assembly. Our House is on Fire is taken from a speech by Greta Thunberg at the, the Davos Economic Forum. With the steering committee acknowledges Thunberg's efforts in the climate justice movement, um, they also want to stress that they do not assign sole leadership in the movement. Instead, they believe in and support collaborative forces and movements in constellations. The title of the assembly came up a lot through the two days as a reminder of the youth involved in climate justice activism, as well as the popularization and thus commodification of such slogans in the movement. So let me set the scene for you. The assembly took place on Friday and Saturday, October 25th and 26th, just last week, each day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The sun was really starting to come out after a month of rain. This assembly was comprised of about 60 or so participants, all who contributed financial and non-financial contributions, aka our resources, to the assembly common pot. 
Each day included keynote presentations from brilliant people and interludes from participants of last year's assembly, also brilliant people, and designated times to work on editing the code with all the participants in breakout groups. This took place in Indoranta, the socially conscious flex space just below Costco, as well as Costco's office and exhibition space, and in Photodoc's office just next to Costco. There were breaks for lunch and in between sessions, and afterwards, of course, where much of the sociality happens, the conversations in between, the breaths of fresh air, the exchange of thoughts or silence, the laughter and movement. Outside of the building sounded a little bit like this. The first draft of the Climate Justice Code included a preamble with a question at the start. What practical measures will art and art institutions take to take care, to take care for our planetary commons with the power of imagination? And then an outline of the intention of the code. The code was divided into layers like an onion, but later this metaphor was challenged in search for new ways as well as new language around the different domains. So from the start, layer one, commons as a framework. Layer two, a definition of climate justice. Layer three, art as an essential alternative tool. Layer four, everyday acts for change. Layer five, advocacy. Layer six, disengage from big industry. So what happened? Day one included an introduction from the steering committee from the inaugural assembly, elephants in the room in 2018 to where we found ourselves, to um, our houses on fire in 2019. An introduction to the code by the editorial committee followed. A keynote presentation by Alma Josephine Budge, exhibiting artists in the exhibition that we have up right now, whose work, um, by the way, is a speculative fiction piece engaging with climate colonialism um, between the Netherlands and Ghana, titled The Water That Moves Within Me. Alma's keynote was titled, Whose House, Whose Tools, Whose Future? After that was a segment on Enduring Climate Change by Arts Collaboratory, Food and Climate Change Working Group. There was a presentation by uh, Vapka Fenstra of My Villages and Sid Sydney Wagner from the Commoner Society of Sundberg Institute. And then there was the initial open space working session where people could familiarize themselves with the different layers of the code, 
draft, and then a plenary for a collective review, wrapping up the first day and preparing for the second. This was moderated by Rosa Pardenkoper and Ying Kui, who is here now, and this is where things got really juicy, where people could directly engage with and respond to the code. Questions like, who is the we of the code came up. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Can, can I get a temperature check on that first? How do we feel? Do you mean the we throughout? The we, yes. Who is we? Who is this for? Who, when we're using this world, who are we, word, who are we referring to? <laughs> a little bit more participation, please. If we had a nickel for every time we yeah. asked a question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just want to ask Claire whether you can reiterate what you So, I, as you can see, there's a little bit of laughter. Um, uh, I was the one that said, if we had a nickel for every time we asked that question, because it's um, it's a uh, a dilemma of um, all the waves of feminism, that it's constantly um, uh, really black queer feminists that are interrogating the we, the presumed we, um, which is uh, such a liberalizing and blanket kind of way to describe a group of people in which many are not included. So days, day two started with a recap of the day. Um, before, and then an introduction to what was going to happen. Yolandi here of the, the steering committee talked about the future of the code. Uh, the end of the second day, we want to dedicate some time to thinking through this, this being the afterlife of the code. So how we can think of it in terms of advocacy from lobbying, mobilizing other arts, arts institutions to also pledge and activate it, um, and hopefully forming a working group around this. And and then, before we got there, we witnessed another incredible keynote by founder of No Tar Sands Network, climate justice campaigner and creative um, Susan Daliwal, titled Art in the Age of Ecocide in the Anthropocene. And then we heard from lawyer, legal scholar, and activist Ugo Mate, titled Reforming the Civil Code in the Interest of Future Generations. And then another interlude from Angelina Kumar of Lucrative Dumpster Divers Project and, um, and uh, Utrecht University of the Arts, Hakeu. The rest of the day was a generative, complex discussion and interworking of the code, problematizing, rewriting, and reporting back to the group. And some of the in-between moments sounded like this. The layers that maybe I check in with the facilitators in the break and we make sure that there's a space for everyone, and then we come back here and we find our groups. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. now. Yes. Uh, yeah. For how long? For 10 minutes? Yeah. 10 minute break. Can you come back here? Just, you find your group. Are they in the same space? I'm gonna figure that out now. <laughs> a bit more. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, so that was Rosa, one of the moderators um, of the two days, and it shows the complexity of actually what it means to move so many people around. And so um, this now leads me to the way that I'd like to introduce Ying, uh, of a, a snippet of Ying in action, who was also moderating along with Rosa. 
um, uh, in the way in which she was discussing the proposals, specifically adding reparations to the code as its own layer, and then how another there would be another group dedicated to activating strategies and implementing the code in a campaign. And I think you convinced everyone, right? Okay. Hands, 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 please. Yes, okay, wonderful. <laughs> Reparations has its own day. Next proposal. Uh, well, um, where are we going? Reparations, reparations. Are we there? Are we through? There's one more. Ah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So the last proposal is, um, so yesterday, some people expressed some feedback um, that they didn't really enjoy the writing so much, that they were like, what are we doing? Can we like do something? I mean, I think that, that there, we can debate about uh, uh, writing or doing something. But um, I can imagine that maybe you're not interested in uh, trying to engage in the working groups and really going into the text and trying to think about like how can we activate this code, how can we do this advocacy. So there's a proposal to start another group, another breakout session that specifically deals with uh, activating strategy, uh, thinking through a campaign for the code that we would uh, end up with. Yeah? Okay. Wonderful. Okay, how are we time-wise? Okay, so that's a bit of an example of how it sounded, you know, during the, there's, there's so much moderation and checking the temperature and different ways of engaging. So welcome, Ying, to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy, for the invitation. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> of course, I'm um, uh, really happy to have you as a representative from one of, the, one of the people working so closely on making the assembly happen. Mm. And also, I mentioned that you're an anthropologist, an activist with a lot of experience. So we, uh, I was hoping that you could talk a little bit more about um, the way in which you um, exercise decision-making amongst, amongst the group, mm. but also just to say that you are someone that has worked with Costco for a long time, also within the team, True. and uh, now still through the assembly, and that you also are uh, working on the activist kitchen at Bach. And so just to say a little bit about how you organize, how you have your hands and uh, art and culture, and then also this different sort of um, direct action work that you do as well, or like really um, working with people and these sort of issues. So anyways, uh, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I took these recordings during the assembly, and so it's not the professionalized, polished um, kind of recordings that, you know, you might package and try to share of what would happen in the assembly, but I wanted this episode to have a little bit more feeling and senses of the how it actually goes. Mm. It's not an easy process of um, trying to see, to, to engage um, group participation sure. and then understand how to flow and things like that. So I was wondering if you could just describe a little bit about like what that process was like, also from the perspective of steering committee. Mm. All right, 
so actually the facilitation that we did during the assembly it was kind of a, a last minute decision to do this because uh, we initially wanted to invite someone else from the steering committee to facilitate who also has a lot of experience in activist organizing and uh, uh, facilitating large groups of people but then when uh, she couldn't make it we decided oh Rosa and me we can do it um, so personally I learned how to facilitate um, through activism, so uh, starting in New York City, when you mm -hmm. can see like how to do a consensus-based decision-making process mm -hmm. with hundreds and hundreds of people, mm -hmm. and having witnessed that kind of process, that has mm -hmm. uh, inspired me a lot, and I learn a lot from um, those processes. Mm -hmm. um, Implementing that in my work, in uh, in art, in education, mm -hmm. in culture, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you develop that. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, through working in Casco, we also spoke a lot about what it means to make a decision-making process based on consensus. What's consensus? No, like mm -hmm. having. Um, a hundred percent agreement instead of majority uh, uh, majority deciding what will it will be. Mm -hmm. um, so this was uh, an attempt to that, actually. Uh, also acknowledging the, the value of dissensus, like when you disagree, that actually this is a very productive space, very necessary right. to have this kind of discussion. And um, yeah, so we introduced this idea of, okay, we would like to think about what does it mean to be polyphonous, no? What does it mean? So polyphony, it comes from this musical, theory where it talks about autonomous melodies interweaving, intertwining, mm -hmm. but when you translate this to Dutch, it says Mirstemmigheid, so multiple voiced, mm -hmm. and uh, I think this is really interesting uh, within a, um, a group process. How mm -hmm. can you make sure that you have all voices up, that all voices mm -hmm. are heard, that all voices are acknowledged, respected, mm -hmm. and find a place within what you are creating together. Right. Can you describe um, how that would happen in particular, um, the body movements that people would make, mm. the, gesture, <laughs> the gestures? Yeah, the gestures. Of, um, agreement, disagreement, so-so. Uh, mm -hmm. So we went only, actually we use only the basic because there's actually many, many gestures that you can make. So the idea of the gestures during this kind of group meetings is that you can um, show your... Um, feeling or how you yeah how you feel about something mm. um, without speaking without making noise without interrupting someone who is uh, who is giving a presentation or whatever so we use only the basic ones for agreement for this so agreement is like the jazz hands mm -hmm. the uh, waving your hands uh, uh, with your fingers like mm -hmm. uh, does that make sense oh of course no one can see me now so no no actually it also something just to interject for a second this jazz hands that you're talking about is also used in the uh, deaf deaf community oh. for um, applause oh. um, to um, show it's a visual marker of um, applause without actually clapping your hands. So mm. I just um, I wanted to share that. I didn't have the chance to in the assembly. It wasn't really I, I didn't have the chance, but interesting. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so jazz. I jazz, mean, this, uh, hands so in the air, hands yeah. in the air, up, and then like moving them, uh -huh. and then to when you're on the fence, you can put them horizontal, uh -huh. uh, and then move them like that. Mm. And disagree is to to put them down. Um, 
Am I explaining this? Yeah. Well, so, so you have your, your hands, your wrists, your wrists yeah. are like bent, and then you uh, uh, you move your fingers also. As if you've just washed your hands and you're trying to shake off and you don't have a towel, right? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and I mean, there's many more. There's, uh, there's uh, process signs, there's uh, direct response signs, there's yeah. clarifying question signs. We didn't get into all those, but right. to get a temperature check from a room, like you, mm. you're proposing something and you want to have a sense of how people are feeling about it, mm. uh, it's a really great way to um, get like in one look at the room feel the general sense of what people are thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I also just wanted to, uh, I know that it's so fresh. It just happened last week. Mm, still processing. And that's why, yeah, it's processing a lot of energies, mm. a lot of different um, feelings and uh, the energies of different people in the space. And so, yeah, it's hard to, um, you know, kind of come to a really clear analysis. That's why this the show is to be more uh, to kind of just share in that process mm. of the uh, the fact that this code has just gotten started. So I just was wondering if you could share a little bit of it's kind of like what stayed with you or what you're um, thinking about. But then also I'd really like to know what you think of the importance of commoning such a code. You know that this is something that. We can begin at Costco, but then it could um, grow many um, legs and tentacles mm -hmm. and apply to other contexts and be useful in this way. So a little bit of a double question of what stayed with you, which is something that we also use in assembly, and then also what do you find to be of importance of yep. such an activity? Okay. Let me start with your second question, the okay. importance of commoning such a process, yeah? yeah. So um, the reason why this uh, assembly was initiated in this way, why mm. we wanted to start writing this code, mm. is because the government has been implying different kinds of codes for the cultural sector. So we're talking about the fair practice codes, which has to do with um, uh, artist fees, uh, these kind of things. Mm. We are talking about the um, cultural diversity code. Um, uh, which uh, may be familiar, uh, mm. talking about uh, how to be more inclusive within the art sector, art, arts and culture sector. Uh, and it's very interesting that um, although these are very important codes, uh, no one is speaking about uh, climate justice or uh, climate change for that matter, well, whilst all those things ha is, is such an important um, aspect of how, how we are living our lives, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we are all implied there, we are all eating food, we are all taking showers, we are all drinking water. Mm -hmm. um, it's very important to keep that in mind, but this is not part of the, of the cultural policy. So mm -hmm. we initiate this as a mm -hmm. way to um, organize, really, uh, around uh, within our own sector. So within, uh, amongst artists, amongst uh, art workers, mm. uh, people who work in this sector who, who mm. should be thinking about these things. People are uh, having, they, they are doing their work within buildings, they are using uh, money from funds that comes from different places that you need to be aware of. Mm. And um, we're implemented, so we're implied in, in yeah. in this struggle right. but if the government is not is not taking this issue up then it needs to come from bottom up right so right. i think that this is uh, what we try to do we mm. made an attempt 
to make this draft and mm -hmm. then we put this to the assembly. And the assembly mm -hmm. uh, consists of all these people that are interested in this, that are working in this field and then can offer their um, voice to what it should be about. Right. Uh, this is common thing, right? Like, yeah. how can you work through uh, such a complicated issue mm. with a lot of people? Mm -hmm. And how can you help each other understand the different issues at stake? How can you come to, a, to an analysis? How can you think through uh, for whom you're doing this and how to activate it, you know? Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, the, the, f the inaugural assembly that happened last year um, Elephants in the Room, mm -hmm. which launched the book Unlearning Exercises, deeply connected to uh, Casca's past few years yeah. and institutional change, and also the artist Annette Krauss, um, which the assembly was a way to think about the redistribution of power within art institutions, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it was, I, I had never seen anything like it, experienced anything like it. <laughs> it's not a conference, it's something else. True. Especially with the experimentation of the common pot at the end, of what it means to be with this group of people. Tea reading. Yeah, the <laughs> tea reading of all of our resources. Um, but with this assembly, Our House is on Fire, it was just so concrete and clear what it was we were doing together. Um, the goal, and it was, it was still just um, wildly uh, textured and, and complex of all that came up. So I'm, I'm like, what, um, what are you feeling like as you're processing through the week? Um, what has stayed with you? Yeah. And it doesn't need to be anything like a super big reflection. It could be also small. No, um, but yeah. For me, it's actually big because this, okay. this assembly was really moving for me. So yeah. personally, um, I have not, I have offered my, bodies, my body to the climate movement. Like my, my uh, friends are, are um, organizers within the Dutch climate movement. Mm. Um, but I never actively joined because there's this, I don't know, I always had this like discomfort and I, I, I wasn't really feeling, yeah, on my plek. Look, in place, in place, mm. out of place. I felt out of place. And I never really understand why. Um, mm. So I focused on, on anti-racism, on feminism, uh, because I felt that this is something that I can really speak about and yeah, find exactly. people uh, to organize with, mm. you know? Um, but then this assembly happened, and of course, like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, what touched me a lot was um, the presentations from Alma, from Susanna, from the Arts Collaboratory, right. um, because they were formulating uh, a an analysis of the whitewashing of the climate uh, of the climate movement of the Western climate movement, with a very like crystal clear critique of the Extinction Rebellion movement, mm. and mm. listening to them, that was so touching. Like mm. I. Uh, they just give words to this kind of gut feeling that you carry around with you, but mm -hmm. I'm not as, as, as eloquent as, as this Alma who, who, who just stands there and just controls the room with her presence and just carries you away with her, with the way that she speaks is, is so impressive. Like, mm -hmm. and formulating those things that are so crucial 
uh, in this place, in, in Utrecht, in the Netherlands, in, in the West, in Europe, you know, um, that gave me so much hope. Like, it's horrible mm. what they were saying, right? Like, these... these the uh, realities of climate colonialism of and the devastations of peoples and, and land. That and... But also... Um, the racism that exists within the movement. Exactly, yeah. And the exclusive, like the appropriation of, you know, like, for example, uh, uh, Verdi from, uh, from um, uh, Kunci was, uh, was showing this image. From Arts Collaboratory. Oh, sorry, yeah. from Arts yeah. Collaboratory, was showing this image from our house has been on fire for 500 years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> Susanna was saying, uh, yes, and you white people just tuned in. So, yo, this is our work, and we've been doing this for all these years, mm. and, and, and now all of a sudden you're all here, and that's great, but hey, you have work to do, and as a person of color, you end up doing anti-racist educational work instead mm. of formulating this analysis. So right. that was really special for me, like really moved me and made me feel hopeful, like, oh, oh my God, like someone mm -hmm. said it, like mm -hmm. unapologetically crystal clear and there it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now you have to listen, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. so that was, that, that was really amazing for me. Right. Uh, moving to the reparation layer, like having exactly. a kind of, this kind of discussion. Yeah, I, I, I've never been part of those discussions before mm -hmm. and it was possible now. So mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because that was such a, like, um, a grand slam sort of aspect of the assembly was the um, the the synergy of different struggles and movements becoming really uh, just tightly woven into this braid of like this is it this yeah. is that constellation of struggle yeah that yeah so thank you for saying it so clearly too I was hoping to to chat with you about this aspect because the the new layer of reparations mm -hmm. is really significant to think about, um, you know, the kind of like past, present, and future all in one mm -hmm. that we need to think about of uh, the redistribution of financial resources, but then also many different kinds to acknowledge the damage that has been done by colonialism yeah and, and, and capitalism and capital yeah it just expansion and development that it's it's so significant that we were in this preamble group and that's when it was brought up and really there's a lot of synergy of um, Suzanne and Amma you know we were going through and we're like actually reparations mm. needs its whole uh, like we keep alluding to it in the preamble but we need to say it mm. Reparations, rehabilitation, reconciliations, if they're even possible. So that also stayed with me too, mm. this clarity. Yeah. Yeah, so. because this is like, a, this is kind of, um, so my issue a lot often is that when, when you participate as a person of color in, in mm. a most majority white movement that you do, like, that's also what, what, what I just said, like, like you end up doing uh, anti-racist education, right? Mm. Um, what was so wonderful about these reparations is that we can discuss about things that um, you do not get to. Mm. Like when you spend two days together and you have to spend one day talking about white privilege, mm. then 
you'll have yeah that's what you have to spend your time on right whilst speaking yeah. about these issues that are very um pertinent mm -hmm. like things like uh, how Susanna was explaining how, for example, Greenpeace had like stolen the idea of her campaign and just gets away with that, you know, like mm -hmm. how work of people of color is being appropriated so violently mm -hmm. and how actually we need to protect ourselves against that as yeah. well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and to have a discussion like that, that is so important. And, and yeah, it, there's not always space for that. So I was very No, yeah, there's a lot of that. language put to accountability. So, of course, the protection of what is it's, it's so necessary mm. so that there's not this continuous stealing. Um, and invisibilizing, erasing right, exactly. of the participation of people of color, black, pe black people and people of color, indigenous yeah. um, right. struggle. Yeah. Wow. So mm -hmm. thank you so much, Ying, for sharing this and also thank so you. freshly <laughs> out of the assembly since it was just a week ago. And... Um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm so grateful. Thank you for also pleasure. being my friend. Thank you, Stacy, for the invitation. <laughs> All right, so thank you so much again, Ying, for being on the show and also providing so, so much life and such a, an animated response um, to an integral part of the assembly that didn't make so much sense for me to given a narrative, so I'm really happy that we could address it. And so there's so much that you can find out on the internet about reparations and just other ways in which climate justice is also linked with so many other forms of justice. And so for more information about this climate justice code and about Costco's assembly, visit our website, costco.art, and then also follow along for updates on the code via our website, as well as social media channels. And uh, now there are working groups underway. There's more editing that's happening to the code. So there's quite a bit of mobilization. If you would like to be involved, which we really hope so, and we warmly welcome you, please send us a mail to assembly at costco.art. Be really important. It would be so amazing to have, you know, especially in the Netherlands, but also beyond, a lot of people involved in the development of this. So. Last but not least, a shout out to the harvesters and volunteers at the assembly, because we really couldn't have done this without you. All right, so I'm really, really happy to finally have this chance to talk with Luke of Stranded FM because he, Hello. <laughs> welcome to the show of Thank which you. you are so responsible for helping uh, put it together to make sure Common Air sounds great and you have really facilitated this collaboration between Stranded FM and Costco. So thank you and welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to uh, to join. Uh, last season I joined for a song. I know, but that but was but happy too, to too join, short. Uh, happy to join in words. So um, another way that you are involved is that you, you worked during the assembly to record and document the keynotes. So um, as someone that has been part of the two days, um, just to kind of carry this conversation over, uh, you know, with, with Ying over to you, what was, uh, 
Yeah, what's your kind of general feeling uh, now it's been a week after what has stuck with you? Um, yeah, I actually like to completely stand behind Ying's words. I think the, um, uh, how it gave urgency to uh, how the discourse in the whole climate movement should be changed towards more climate justice and actually address like more an intersectional approach like climate colonialism um, the, uh, like the, the, the whole the whole history behind it and of how those structures still uh, still still live on like in even mm -hmm. the current climate movements and like the people who suffer the hardest uh, often do not have a saying or are neglected by the climate movement and it was wonderful to hear that like Amma's talk really stuck with me and yeah, it was powerful and necessary. Right. Yeah, so um, there was something that you mentioned uh, after leaving the assembly and to sort of, uh, yeah, change gears because it's quite hard to go from something so intense like the assembly to, you know, back to regular programming of one's life. But you said that you went to a secondhand store and you found something. Did uh, you talk about this? Yes, going to second-hand stores is uh, often a really meditative process for me. Mm. Um, finding music, like old music, that's uh, like even not coming up bigly in the archives, but uh, somehow is still there waiting to be found. Mm. Mm. Um, and I found a record by Maria Tolly. Uh, Maria Tolly uh, was, uh, is, she's now 86, still making music. And this record of Maria Tolly is called Voices. And it's from 1986. Mm -hmm. And she was making like experimental folk, often really uh, pro like pro protest songs. Mm -hmm. And what struck me so much about this record that it's read a really uh, intersectional uh, liner note on the song regarding the song Waves. And it's aligned so well with what was being said by all the all the speakers at the assembly, and that was just too beautiful. So I will read it here, and then I will play the song. Okay, thanks. Uh, it's the sixth song of the uh, of the EP called "Waves" by Maria Tolly. Uh, music and lyrics by Maria Tolly, February 1986. I read. This song is dedicated to those voices which I hear so loudly and clearly, and yet which have found no expression on this album. I speak of my lesbian sisters and my black and Asian friends, whose strength and optimism in the face of an enormous struggle are a source of inspiration.
beautiful i think um, that this is a really amazing um s something to encounter right after yeah <laughs> such an intense uh experience and then the liner notes especially yes the synchronicity is uh too beautiful and um yeah she is ma making i was looking up what uh, she does mm. and she was already like 53 when she made this record mm. um and been making like protest songs uh, also uh, socialist protest songs in uh, Great Britain and uh, also regarding the situations in Ireland like Our Life. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's actually really beautiful and um, it was really sad to read like three years after she made this, uh, she uh, was diagnosed with, uh, it's I don't know by head, but she wasn't able to do like her uh, guitar performing right, it's uh, a with, with dystrophy a, yeah, yeah. Uh, anymore. Um, and then she started taking electronic music classes and mm. she went on to still to this day as a woman of 86 producing like very experimental ambient electronic music <laughs> is which I'm totally into. So it's mm. yeah, it's insane. Uh, you can mm. check her out at mariatolly.co.uk. Uh, check her YouTube. She has 81 followers. She should really be heard in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, amazing. So maybe we could also um, figure out a way to get 
Maria Tolly, uh, maybe not here, you know, to the Netherlands, but on the phone. We yeah, should maybe call we her can sometime. call her in sometime, yeah. <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk with you, since you've had also a lot of visits to the exhibition up at Costco. And so I was wondering, you know, what sort of resonances that you have in thinking about um, language and communication, but also the, the limitations of this and maybe ways in which, you know, now seeing Alma speak in the assembly about climate colonialism and then addressing her work that's also, you know, on at, at Costco. I mean, is there any sort of things that are staying with you in relationship to these two? Um, yes, I think uh, it's, it's also what the team was like, uh, a blend of indeed uh, oppressed voices and things uh, which the, the systems of the world do not mm. allow or not uh, per audio, uh, not represent well enough. Mm. And then also like how to use art as a way to um, put attention to these struggles um, where words surface or don't surface. So I think that was mm -hmm. that the combination of uh, art as a tool to speak what we cannot speak mm -hmm. and also like extending that to the socio-political and ecological struggles over time. I think that's, yeah, it's a really beautiful wrap-up and I think what also uh, shoots be the urgency of the art world in a way, right? Mm. Um, and also, not only the urgency for an art world, but also maybe a bit of uh, hope and more unity for like science, business, education, mm. society in general, like be aware of what art can do. And uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of things stayed with me, but that doesn't stay with me. Right. There was um, something that you found in also some of our conversations around um, being able to hear, you know, to have documentation of that which isn't there anymore. And I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of art is about this kind of um, capture, let's say. I mean, I don't know, the, the language of this also sounds really violent, but that's the struggle in art um, of just dealing with representation. Yeah. Of course, which archival is archival. Exactly. Non-archival, especially. Yeah. 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 And so, um, this was just something that we were we were kind of talking a little bit about because, of course, with um, audio capabilities, um, the documentation of also kind of. I don't know, I mean, that which we can no longer engage with, mm. and then what that might serve for us in the in the present. Yeah. Um, could you speak a little bit more about this? Um, yeah, uh, si since I, w I wanted to actually also extend on, indeed, like, het is of the steen spreken, as Simon says a comments, and sounds of nature intrigue me so much, um, like sound in general, like uh, being aware of sound, like if you just take a stroll, it can tell so much. Like if you actively listen around you, uh, you can hear, uh, like 
then you can actually capture conversations from way further away from you than normally you would hear a conversation and uh like it it also gives like a sense of harmony i guess if you pay notice more to the sounds of your surroundings mm. um and and therefore I, I felt like okay what's what what is it that could relate to these ecological struggles, like coming from my background with ecology studies, like how can I think of something that aligns my music, uh, my love for music, my love for sounds, the depth of ecology, and then also relating to Costco's exhibition and practice, I felt like, what about all those species that went, went extinct due mm. to us? Mm. Um, so when looking for uh, extinct bird sounds and I first thought about me making a song with it maybe I will still do it in the future but I wasn't able to do it for today and then it would also feel more about me than the actual birds that died um, and then I, w I was looking it up and I actually found an installation um, one second I will grab the information of that person it's uh, he's called Steve Norton and uh, he made an uh, installation uh, called Requiem in Memoriam of 12 Extinct Species. And I'm not going to play that because I do not have his consent, but it was a sound installation which uh, blended uh, all kind of bird songs and uh, frog calls into uh, one stunning sound piece. And when you listen to those species that actually went extinct, it really also silences you in a way. Um, one of the one of the uh, birds that was in there was the kawaii bird of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, so I looked up on more available sources, and there was one on YouTube. And I think actually sonically it was a bit more even even more of an interesting one. <laughs> so sorry, Steve, <laughs> but the reverb it, I don't, it's yeah. Just listen to it, um, the kawaii bird.
Okay. Wow. Kawaii bird. Yes. It's uh, painful. Well, but I beautiful. Mean, maybe that this is the, the sort of spookiness on Halloween, right? The the specters of um, that which is no longer here, but we have evidence of uh, the traces, and so uh, it's uh, quite resonating to to hear that. Definitely, yes. Mm. Well. Yes. <laughs> that's a. Uh, I know that you also have um, another song, another contribution of what inspired you from the exhibitions. Yes, definitely. Um, when we first talked about silence, uh, I actually really started thinking about music because mm. uh, often we cannot be silent and music is an art form that can actually induce silence. Mm. and is also through how it, I think, relates to everyone's core in a way. It's a way to unify in a, in a way, mm -hmm. um, like definitely not only, uh, mm -hmm. hearing like all what we talked about before, um, right. lacks of certain things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think music does have the power in a way to unify us on things and s s yeah, s mm. s speak to our very primal, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was actually uh, delving into topics of listening, deep listening, mm. yet to have mm. learned a lot about it, but uh, you also talked about uh, deep listening a bit, about mm. transmitting, hearing, feeling. Yeah, I mean, the the topic of silence, I mean, of course, in uh, the assembly, which is so, uh, there was so much that needed to be said, and there's so much um, voice and articulation that is so necessary um, in order for those to be able to have this possible moment of, of silence, perhaps. Um, where the silence is actually this really fragile resource that is um, being taken away from us. Mm -hmm. um, that's on the one hand. Um, so, I mean, just maybe to unite those things that I'm saying, a bit of a dichotomy or contradiction, that I have been thinking a lot about hearing and listening and witnessing. Mm -hmm. This is something that we spoke about a little bit before. And then this is also to acknowledge a bit of the, you know, the aspect of, of hearing being uh, an ability and to acknowledge those of, um, of, of non-hearing that also have very particular languages of which to speak and understand in and to also just acknowledge the ableism mm -hmm. uh, ingrained in media, let's say, you know, so of course we're speaking right now and this is a radio which the primary way to engage it is listening. Yeah. But anyways, to just to acknowledge that, but then maybe mm. to take listening to another level of yeah. what witnessing might be. Yeah, exactly, because I think when it comes down to when we take it to climate and climate justice, like the current cli in, in, in the current climate movement, people actually start mm -hmm. hearing on what is actually happening, but they're not mm -hmm. listening. 
um, and if you listen, you I think you grasp a little bit deeper. Like it's, eventually it's about how you process incoming stimuli, right? And what you do with it and right. whether you are only a receptor or are also doing something with it. Mm. And then we talked about witnessing and uh, then we also talked of course about when you witness or feel the, the struggle that climate can have and mm. especially what was talked about that uh, the, the lack of intersectionality, that's something that can be felt. Mm. Mm. Um, but then I think witnessing should also be extended and witnessing should also be witnessing, because otherwise it's the witnessing part would only about those who experienced most harm. Mm. Witnessing should also be about people changing. Right. So... Uh, a comprehension like and then a sort of action that yes, can be taken. Yes, yes, witnessing is not only experiencing the pain, but it's also uh, institutions changing, actively doing something with the stimuli they receive. And I think maybe that's a nice way to wrap up. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, like um, go, 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 go deeper than what, what, what you are only hearing, but doing something with what right. you hear. That's a great way to wrap up. And also, um, I think I, what I learned the most from these exhibitions is uh, that position of the witness. And yeah. then also speaking with you further about this. So thank you so much, Luke. Thank you for another beautiful season of Common Air. Oh, thank you. So I know I, I really want to play this third contribution that you have. I know it's titled Becoming Warm, so yeah, maybe I can close off. it's a nice way off. to become warm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> warmer uh, right now, but maybe I'll just close up here, yes. close up our episode, and then we can end with that. Exactly. Yeah? Yeah, okay. and the, the, the song is called uh, Becoming Warm by Ulla Strauss. She's a uh, sound artist from Pennsylvania. Mm. And if it, I think it's one of the most modern... Uh, contemplative pieces of music I heard, like apart from masters of the 80s, mm. like Pauline Oliveros or Brian Eno, or um, mm. yeah, so Ulla Strauss, Becoming Warm.
so much Luke and thank you all for listening to this episode this special common air episode on Costco's assembly our house is on fire and you can listen back on the two episodes before this which focus on our exhibition head to soft stain and spray in silence is a commons that's on view until this Sunday November 3rd which I'm not ready for it to to end there's still so much to learn from this so Please check out our website to see the upcoming events that we have um, through December before we go on winter break. And I just want to thank, thank you so much, Luke, Stranded FM, for this conversation, but always being so supportive and helpful in this collaboration and fun. And also big thanks to, to Ying for being on the show and then everyone that was part of the assembly, the participants especially, too, for making it happen. And thank you, Rob Rutenberg, for the sound design of Common Air, and Zuzana Kostelanska for the visual identity. Thanks to the Costco team for the support. And we're just really excited to wrap up season two of Common Air. So thank you all, and listen back on mixcloud.com. Slash Yes, thanks. <laughs>